What symbol did God use to speak to Moses and tell him that he was the great I am? He used a bush. A bush. Now, there are several things in nature that are bigger than bushes. When Jesus came, was he an extraordinary sight to behold? What does the Bible say in Isaiah 53? What does it say? It says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is what? No beauty that we should desire him. You ever been around someone and not realize their true worth? I was seated across the table from someone. Let me arrange this course so I don't step on it here. Hold on. I was seated across the table uh, at a interfaith Bible study. And they asked me, do you know such and such person? She attends your church. And I said, yes. They said, yeah, she used to be married to my cousin. My cousin left her and he was such a fool because she's such a good person, such a good woman, and he's always regretted it. Some, something like that, basically. And, you know, sometimes we, we want something different than what reality really is. And the Bible is full of these lessons of don't look on the outward appearance only. Like my crooked tie. My daughters were telling me, my tie is crooked. Thank you so much uh, for that illustration. Um, but, uh, you know, this is a small church. But just like that burning bush. In Exodus, let's go to the book of Exodus, the beginning of Exodus, chapter 3. And before we go further, let's just ask the Lord's special wisdom as we seek to understand His Word. Our Father, we're so privileged to look into Your Word, and we just ask that You'd help us to understand what it says and to apply it to our hearts. Please fill us with Your power, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. It says in verse 1, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He went from the daughter of Pharaoh to the son of the priest of the Most High. Right? Son-in-law. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. Now, he was going to end up at Horeb later. What happened at Horeb? What's another name for Horeb? Sinai. This is the same mountain where God delivered His law to His people. I am the Lord thy God, which brought you out from the land of Egypt. Thou shalt have no other gods before Me. And He went through those Ten Commandments. Here was the place. Now, Moses was not raised to be a shepherd. What was Moses raised to do? 
He was raised to be the daughter, or excuse me, the, the son of Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh's daughter. So he was actually in line to become the next Pharaoh. So the Bible says that he did not esteem the riches of Egypt, but he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. And he was not raised to be a shepherd. And yet he faithfully was doing his duty. And when we faithfully do what God has called us to do, we will come in contact with a blessing. Amen? And that's what he did. He came into contact with a blessing. Verse 2 says, The angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire. And the bush was not consumed. Now, since the bush was not consumed, what kind of fire was this? Was it no normal fire? Natural fire? Natural fire needs what? Needs fuel, right? Needs fuel. So, you give fire fuel, that's natural, and then when the fuel's all done, what happens to the fire? goes out. This was a supernatural fire. This was the presence of the Almighty. Now, if you look up the word, whenever you see in the Bible, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, verse 2, the angel of the Lord. Do you see Lord is all capitalized? Do you know what that means? That means that the original word, when it's all capitalized, is in the Hebrew is just Y-W-H. And they didn't have any vowels. And so we're kind of left, is it Yehovah? Is it Yahweh? Same thing. Okay? Yahweh, Yehovah, because it was just Y-W-H, just consonants in the Hebrew. But whenever you see capitals, L-O-R-D, that means that that is Jehovah or Yahweh. What does Yahweh mean? If you look it up, Yahweh means self-existent. Self-existent. And this fire was what? Self-existent. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burned in fire, and the, and the bush was not consumed. Verse 3. Moses said... <coughs> I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the, out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. See, this bush was a type of Jesus. Something that was lowly and yet had God in it because Jesus was the son of Mary, but he was not just the son of Mary. He was God in the flesh. That's what the Bible teaches us. And so we see here a prefigure of Christ. Now, when Jesus was walking with his disciples after he was crucified, they were so downcast and distressed. They didn't realize that he had been resurrected in Luke chapter 24. Cleopas going to his home in Emmaus, not far from Jerusalem, and Jesus, it says, he said, Oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, who wrote Exodus? Moses did. Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, 
he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now you might read this story and at first glance you will miss the lesson of Christ. That the divine could dwell in the earthly without consuming the earthly. You might miss that. You know, it says, For he shall grow up before him in Isaiah 53. As a tender what? Plant, it says. Christ would grow up before him in Isaiah 53, verse 2, as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. What kind of ground was Moses in? This was dry. This was the desert, it says. Led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. A root out of a dry ground. Christ here portrayed and typified. Let's read on. So he said, he said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And you know, God is calling us. You can put your name in there. He's calling us because he wants us to recognize that he is with us. That's what Emmanuel means. Emmanuel. L is the Hebrew form for God. L is, means God. Elohim. Emmanuel means God with us. And so this is so precious because we don't have to climb to a very high mountain to meet God. God comes down to where we are. This is the glory of the gospel. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, and the word was God, verse 1 says, and the word was God, and then verse 14 says, the word was made flesh. And then it says this amazing phrase. It says, and dwelt among us. That word dwelt is the same word as tabernacles, translated tabernacle in other places. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. In other words, the word became flesh and moved next door. That's what it means. There's an amazing story that if you've never read it, it's worth buying and reading off Amazon, even if you have to pay full price, but you can find used copies. It's called Bruchko. Anybody heard of the book Bruchko? Great book. It's a monumental missionary book. It's used as a textbook in, I think, every single missionary program in this country. Bruchko. Bruchko is the story of a Bruce Olson who was this nerd growing up. His father would drop him off at Boy Scouts and he would walk into the church for the Boy Scout meeting and he'd walk out the back door and he'd go and buy a book and read it in the drugstore. <laughs> he just, he hated outdoor stuff. And he was, he was just a nerd. Thick glasses. He was a student of uh, Greek, Latin, you know, all this stuff. And he became converted and God called him to be a missionary to a group of Indians that had no contact with any civilization down uh, between Colombia and Venezuela around there. And so it was the Motolone Indians, and they used to just kill anybody that came near. And no one had any contact. No one knew their language. You know, God called this guy to be the frontline missionary and go in the jungle. You know, and everyone was just like laughing at him. Like, Bruce, you're the last. Are you kidding me? You, a missionary? This kid was a nerd. I mean, he was like, he was going to be a professor. 
You know, he wasn't going to be a missionary. And so he brought the gospel to these Modalone Indians. And the, the story is just amazing. Is it, kids, do you like that story? It's a good book, isn't it? <laughs> it's a very good book. So, but the, the point is that the Modalone Indians, to them, Jesus was a Modalone. Jesus hunted on their trails. Jesus was barefoot. Jesus carried arrows on his back. That's how they thought of Jesus. Is that Jesus really did come down and become a Modalone Indian. That's what they believed. And it transformed this culture. Just utterly transformed it. And so this is the gospel that Jesus moved in next door. Verse 5, but notice this, just because Jesus moves in next door doesn't mean that we get to treat him as if he's just like everyone else. Verse 5 says, and God said, do not come near. Put off your shoes from your feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Although Jesus comes to live with us, He is not coming to do what we want Him to do all the time. He's not coming to be only what we want Him to be. He is coming so that He can teach us about moving in next door to heaven. He's coming so that He can invite us to His Father's house. He came to move here to teach us what it means to live in His Father's house. In John 14 it says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So he came to live with us so that what? So that we could go live with him. And He is a holy God. We cannot just treat Him as if He's just one of us. Yes, He lives with us, but He is God in the flesh. You know, as we prepare for heaven, we need to be very careful that we live like Christ. See, Jesus lives next door, but He's calling us to follow Him. And there are some things in our houses maybe we need to leave behind. Maybe there are some things in our lives on our playlists, things that we're watching, habits that Jesus wants us to lay aside. Notice with me in Matthew 22. Uh, we'll start, actually, Matthew 20, uh, chapter 19, verse 16. Matthew 19, verse 16. Behold, one came and said unto Jesus, Good Master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why do you call me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. That's what Jesus said. He said, If you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And the man said, which ones? Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. 
Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So the second table of the Ten Commandments have to do with our relationship to each other. And those are the law, those are the laws that govern God's kingdom of love. And so if we're going to move in to heaven, the Bible says, Jesus said, if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. That's what Jesus said. Now I'm going to go with what Jesus says. What, what about you? All right, are you going to try to find another way? I'm not going to. That's very dangerous, okay? So he sums up these commandments. He says, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So the, the second table of the Ten Commandments deals with our relationship to our neighbor or fellow man. And the young man saith unto him, verse 20, all these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? He thought that he was obedient. Like Paul, the outward obedience does not fully suffice. God wants to transform our hearts and our minds. He wants us to be truly loving. In other words, not just refraining from the physical act of adultery, but not giving anybody the affection and the time that I give my wife. Amen? It goes much further than the physical act. Now, the physical act remains a sin. Amen? We can't be Gnostics. There was a group of people in the early uh, centuries of uh, after the apostles and the early church, and they were called the Gnostics. And the Gnostics had this knowledge. Okay, Gnostic means knowledge. Gnosis. It comes from the Greek gnosis. And they had these ideas that all you had to do was accept this secret knowledge and become a part of this secret club. And then you could just live however you wanted as long as you had this secret knowledge thing happen in your mind. So you could be iniquitous, you could be immoral, you could do whatever you wanted. And then as you know, well, it's okay because you had the knowledge. All right. And unfortunately, that's in Christianity today. As people say, well, now that I'm a Christian, I can just live how I want. But no, Jesus came to live next door to us to teach us what it means to live next door to him in heaven. And so he told he, he didn't pull any punches with this man. He said, look, if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And the guy said, I've done all these things. And Jesus is like, no, you haven't. You haven't loved your neighbor truly as yourself because you have another God. And that's money. You love money so much that this is what you need to do. He told him, verse 21, this was Jesus' prescription to this man. If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Now here's the thing. Jesus was inviting him to follow him. And who did he say that to in his ministry thus far? He told that to his future disciples, right? He said, follow me. And they left their nets and they followed him, right? Because it wasn't, it's not like Jesus has, uh, that, you know, there's a problem with money. Money is not the problem per se. The problem is, is when you try to balance what God has given you to do based on your financial value. That's the problem. And he was giving him a very specific call to follow Jesus. And if he's going to follow Jesus, was Jesus just sitting around all day? No, he was out there helping and, and, and healing and teaching and preaching, right? So Jesus was very active. This man would have had no time to manage his finances if he had truly followed Jesus. Do you understand? So his specific call 
may not be our call. We, not, we may not be called into full-time ministry like this man was. But he was. And yet, whatever we are called to do, we need to be careful we don't put money above him. Because that resulted in this man's leaving Jesus totally. Verse 22, But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. I mean, he could have followed Yahweh in the flesh. Makes my heart sick. What an invitation. What an invitation to be a disciple of Jesus. Have you ever thought about that, what that meant? Verse 23, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now was Nicodemus rich? Nicodemus was a rich man. In fact, records tell us that Nicodemus was so wealthy that he could have paid the salaries of every common laborer in Jerusalem for like seven years. He was really, really powerful and wealthy. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. He was uh, brilliant. And yet he became a disciple of Jesus eventually. And he supported the early church with his finances. So it is possible the reason why God gives us blessings why He gives us talent, why He gives us resources is so that we can be useful to share that with God and with those that need it. Wisely. Not just throwing it away. You know, we are stewards. We can't just misuse what God has given to us. You know, I only have so many hours in the day. And, you know, I have this phone in my pocket which everyone can contact me at any time. And I sometimes I have to be very careful how I use my time. And I can't spend certain, you know, time and conversations, you know. And I just, I have to prioritize, you know. And so the same thing with all of our resources and everything that we have is we only have so much of it and we need to use it wisely. But by Him not giving to of his of his blessings to others he was actually stealing from them because god gave those things to him for that very purpose so how can we follow jesus i'm going to give us some uh give a few practical uh texts to you now and that is in second corinthians chapter 6 2 Corinthians chapter 6. In verse 14 it says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Baal? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? We love children, don't we? Wyatt, we love you. We love you, Wyatt. So, if we want to follow Jesus, we have to leave something behind. And that is anything that would cause us to be changed in our thinking. Proverbs 4, 14 and 15 says, Enter not into the path of the wicked. Go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. 
turn from it and pass away. We can be so influenced. You know, this man apparently he was so and that we talked about in Matthew that uh, we just read the story of the rich young ruler. He was so influenced by his surroundings and his wealth that he didn't see the true value of Christ. He needed to get away from that totally. Jesus knew that, and so he said, sell everything that you have. Some people need to make drastic decisions. If we're in a situation with friends or some other environment, we sometimes have to make that decision to just split away. Don't be unequally yoked. Verse uh, 16 says, What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them. That's what Emmanuel, right? Means. And walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. If that man had listened to Jesus and he had said, you know, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. You've told me to do this. I'm going to do it. Then he would have been received as one of the favored disciples. And his name today would be written on the foundations of the New Jerusalem. We never make a sacrifice that's truly a sacrifice. All we're doing is we're doing a trade-in and we're trading up. You know, you hear these stories, you know, of, of uh, when people get great deals, you know, they, they trade something or, or uh, maybe a father's like, give me something, you know, give, give, me your, give me your keys. And then, you know, gives another set of keys over. And it's always an upgrade. Whenever God calls us to leave something behind, and it, it, that's where it takes faith, okay? Because Jesus did not fully tell this man everything that he would get if he would follow him. He didn't explain to him totally. He said, follow me. Trust me. I'm the Messiah. Follow me. And in his word, Jesus is calling to all of us and saying, this is the, this is the pattern. This is what I want you to do. I want you, and he shows us the commandments. He shows us the counsels, the epistles, and the book of Revelation, and the, and the prophecies. And he says, follow me. And we would be fools to say no, because he will receive us, verse 18, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters. Notice this, saith the Lord Almighty. Don't leave the Almighty with His hand extended. If the Almighty is calling you to something, if He's calling you to lay aside something that's in the way, if the Almighty is inviting you to follow Him today, He is able to take care of you. He will provide for you. You don't have to worry about the future when you follow the Almighty. You just do what He says. You don't need to help God with your great ideas. He knows what you need. <laughs> you're not giving Him news when you tell Him you're in trouble, you need something, you've been faithful to Him, and now, Lord, how am I going to pay this bill? Because you told me not to do this. You told me not to lie, steal, break your Sabbath, whatever, and I'm choosing to do this. You don't have to tell Him because He doesn't know. You have to tell Him because He wants you to trust Him. And you can tell Him and expect that He will provide for you.
because he's your father. He's the almighty. Amen? Amen. Let's be heavenly minded. We're going home to live with Jesus. But we need to learn lessons here of following him. Let's sing our closing song.